Welcome to the newest installment of The Voice Speaks. I am Olufemi Nathan Oshako, Executive Director of Eternal Crown Ministries and host of this podcast. In keeping with the study of David's life, we are in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 23. And as a thought for today, mirror, mirror, now course when I say mirror mirror most people at least in the western world who have seen or heard or know of Snow White or is it Sleeping Beauty I forget one of those fairy tales but mirror mirror on the wall who's the fairest of them all it's just what comes to mind Um, but I have a question what comes to your mind when I ask who your greatest enemy is it may be a person maybe a system a habit if you are one who loves the Lord then generally the first thought that comes to our mind is the enemy of our souls the devil Satan Beelzebub whatever you want to call him the beast and that Christ but there's another enemy that's right up there with him as far as our own enemies are concerned and it's the person in the mirror it's us many times we are our own greatest enemies this is the situation that David found himself in he was dealing with his enemy being himself, his desires, his his drives, and how they were impacting him. So, David was at peace before this happened. The Lord visited him and said, look, you're not going to make the temple, but your son will, and you're going to have peace in your home. Your kingdom is a kingdom that's going to be established forever. All this wonderful stuff. But his sinful desires messed everything up. So, in our last edition, we talked about the chain reaction that led up to the place where David is right now. Strongly encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's a, really a lot of good information there uh, that gives you a great picture of how one thing can set off a whole a whole series of events that can propel or derail but that's what happened and Nathan was coming to speak to David regarding that chain reaction that led to this specific point in time so he gave him a parable kind of like uh, Jesus did many times when he gave him a parable about a man a poor man who had just a little ewe lamb but he loved that lamb like 
like it's a human being really so he drank from his cup uh, it laid in his arms ate his food it was like one of his children and really treated it like a daughter a rich man around had a visitor come in and instead of taking one of his many many sheep and or cattle to slay them to feed and care for the traveler he went and took the poor man's only possession really that you land and boy did that set david on fire i mean like literally second samuel 12 5 through 6 says david burned with anger against the man and said to nathan as surely as the lord lives the man who did this must die he must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity then david i should say then nathan said to david you are that man Woo! there is generally nothing more cutting than being confronted with your own mess with your own folly with your own struggles it's painful it's painful and as passionate as David was about things it's not as easy to dole out punishment when it's your fault when it's you that's on that end it's like oh you know now you're looking for mercy you weren't looking to give mercy a moment ago you were looking for blood you wanted the man's head now that it's him though he's looking for mercy and oftentimes with us as human beings the thing that irritates and drives us the most about someone else is either something that we are blind to in ourselves or that we don't want to deal with in ourselves something that we hate but we don't want to deal with it or we don't know that it's there and that's what happened with David it was a blind spot he was angry he was upset he knew that what he was doing was wrong leading up to it but until he was really faced with it he was like ah yeah that's me I, I am wrong everything that that man did was me I have these many wives the wives that I picked up while I was in the wilderness, including uh, Abigail, her fine wise self, her, Henneham, uh, Micah, plus I got Saul's wives and whoever else David married that we don't know about. But he took Uriah's only wife, that you lamb, as his own. Because of this, the Lord gave the word to Nathan to give to David saying that the sword will never leave your house he had peace before that that's why he was able to even think about building the temple for the Lord because he was at a place of peace it's like now the sword will never leave and not only will the sword not leave but the trouble that you have the calamity that's coming oh it's gonna come from within your own home oftentimes the things that pain us most are the things done to us by those whom we love 
and those who very well may love us. That's what cuts. That's what hurts. You know, it's not generally, you know, your boss or your coworker, you know, or someone you go to school with, or you know, your your friend down the street that you play, you know, ball with or cars with every once in a while. It's those people that you love and that oftentimes love you. That's where the pain comes from. And that's where it's coming from for David. David, you took Bathsheba and you did it under the cover of night. Well, your wives are going to be bedded for all to see in broad daylight. You did it in secret. This is going to be done in public. Know that whatever it is that you're doing, if you're not repenting of it, you're trying to cover it up, it's going to come out. It's going to come out. And even if you do repent, sometimes the Lord still allows those things to come out. What you do in secret doesn't necessarily stay in secret. Often you'll hear people who are religious or uh, at least ones who study the Bible who say, you know, what's done in the dark will come to light. You're not going to find a scripture specifically that says that. But a lot of that thought comes from this scripture that, yeah, you did it in secret, but it's going to be exposed to everyone. In verse 13 of this chapter, David says to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. That's big. It's big and it's important because when you sin, when you've messed up, and especially after you've been exposed for messing up, it's time to own up. Own up to it. Say, yep, I did it. I was wrong. Please forgive me. And know that the sin that you are committing, though it may impact someone else, it's a sin against God because it's a sin against the rules and the guidelines that he has set up. So David knew I have messed up, I've sinned, but he was owning it. When people try to ignore it or or try to cover it up even more so, that's when trouble just piles on top of things. John chapter 1, or I should say 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from our unrighteousness. That's why it is so important that once you are made aware of or it comes to your mind, the sin that you have committed, because it comes the 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 accuser of the brethren is definitely going to bring up the fact that you just did wrong. When you come to that realization, when you're faced with that reality, repent. If you repent, if you confess your sins, those who belong to Christ, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and purify you from all unrighteousness. Much better to do that than to go on trying to get around it, trying to do things your own way, trying to cover it up. And then paying the ultimate price for carrying that sin. 
in verse 16, well, even before verse 16, after David said, hey, I've sinned, all kinds of, of other things were stated as far as what David and his household would have to endure and that he was going to be free of the sins. Like, look, I've sinned. Nathan was like, you're forgiven, but your son's going to die. And after he left, son fell sick. And this is the son that Bathsheba conceived when David um, took her out of wedlock and, uh, excuse me, and, and lay with her and, and created the child. Immediately the child fell sick. So David started praying. He was like, look, the Lord is merciful. I know he's merciful. And maybe if I pray hard enough, the Lord will turn things around on behalf of my son that I love. But that wasn't to be. But if you want to see what that prayer was like, you can go to Psalms chapter 51. Uh, that is a psalm that he wrote after uh, Nathan confronted him regarding his adultery with Bathsheba. I'll read a couple of those verses. Uh, verses 1 through 2 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin talked about how great God's love is how unfailing it is the fact that he's got great compassion and then asking for him to cleanse him because of these things and that thing continues throughout this chapter verse 7 says cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean wash me and I will be whiter than snow hyssop was used by the Jews for medicinal as well as for spiritual cleaning purposes. Uh, it's a plant in the family of mint, and it was used for a number of different things, but this is what the Jews used it for. As a matter of fact, when Passover took place, they used branches of hyssop, dipped it in the blood, and put that on the doorpost. So again, this is something that was used for spiritual cleansing purposes. And he needed cleansing. That's why he was pleading to have his sins removed. Is because he needed God to forgive him. Verse 10 says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, I need you to change my heart. Make my heart pure. It's not pure. I need my spirit to be the spirit that has been within me before a spirit that is seeking your face a spirit that desires to do your will above everything that's what he's asking for renew that steadfast spirit in me that spirit that won't give up and go and do the things that it that my flesh wants to do but that i will do the right things i'll do what god is saying and verse 11 is key do not cast me from your presence or take your holy spirit from me Lord don't take your spirit from me don't cast me out of your presence I need to be where you are where you are is the best place that I can be David also wrote 
in Psalms that in your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures evermore. He knew I need the presence of God and I need your Holy Spirit to be with me at all times. Don't take your spirit from me. He saw what happened when God's spirit was taken away from Saul. He saw how Saul was tormented by the evil spirits because he was sitting there ministering to Saul when these things were happening so that the spirits would leave him alone. He didn't want to be tormented the way the Saul was, but he knew that his sin was so great that it would it would be right. It would be just for him to experience the same kinds of things that Saul did. The Lord turned away from Saul so much so that he could not hear from God at all. And David wanted and needed to hear from God. He knew what it was like to hear him. He developed that relationship with God when he was taking care of the sheep and things. And he did not want to be separated from God. He didn't want his spirit taken away. Saul started seeking after witches and, and doing all kinds of stuff because he was so desperate to hear anything when God removed his spirit from him and oftentimes we will do the same thing we'll go to mediums we'll call the psychics we'll we'll do these things that are not like god when we have separated ourselves from god yet we still as human beings were created to be in relationship and need to hear the words have the leading and the guidance of God that's what we were created to do this is the reason that when the voice of the Lord came into the garden at the cool of the day came there to be with Adam and Eve to speak to them to talk to them but their sin has separated them from God and they went to try to hide from him because they were embarrassed by that God in his love, in his great mercy and compassion that David talks about in this psalm, said, where are you? He didn't start off immediately condemning or browbeating them. It's like, where are you? What's going on? Why are you there? Because he wants relationship with us and we're made to have relationship with him. When we are out of fellowship with him, we'll look to all kinds of stuff like Saul did trying to fill that void that can only be filled by Jesus so it's important that and David knew the importance of God's spirit being with him so he asked please don't cast me out don't throw me out and please please don't take your spirit away from me so David goes on and and the, the scripture says he's praying and uh, fasting and not eating and, and in sackcloth and doing all kinds of stuff and the baby dies the people his his elders and things that have been watching over him this whole time that have tried to get him to get up and eat and do something different but they were afraid to tell him that the baby dies they're like ooh he has really been kind of out of it with this baby being sick how is he going to act when the baby you know, because the baby is dead, you know, and he overheard him and he asked, like, is the baby dead? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's dead. So 
David got up and he cleaned himself and he went about his uh, business. He cleaned himself, got up, went to the place of worship, went to the house of the Lord and he worshiped God. Then he went back to his own house and sat and ate food and things of that nature. This is very important. Don't lose this point. David worshipped after receiving the news that the prayers he was praying, the earnest prayers that he was praying were not answered. When he heard that the Lord said no, he got up, he cleaned himself up, put on lotion and went to worship God first. That was his response to hardship and calamity. It was to worship God. He understood, Lord, you're worthy. You don't ever have to answer any one of my prayers to be worthy of worship and glory and honor. You're worthy of these things simply because you're God. And though you did not answer my prayers the way that I ask you to, that does not negate the fact that you are still worthy of worship. So let the first thing I do after I make myself presentable to you is to go before your face and worship you, my God. It's so important to remember that we serve God, not the other way around. And David had a good grasp on that, which is the reason why, though he was pleading for the life of his child, who was just a baby. He had nothing to do with the situation. Even though God did not answer the prayer, did not save the life of the child. He told him that he that the child was going to die, and that was going to be a part of the punishment for what David had done. David yet worshipped. He yet worshipped. So just some key points to uh, take away. One, worship is always in order. No matter what you're going through, what you're faced with, set your face like flint to not move, not turn away from the living God. Often what we dislike most about someone else is the thing that we don't like about ourselves but we either don't know about it or we refuse to own up to it. When you notice that you've sinned, repent. It doesn't mean that you're going to be free from the consequences, but you will be free from the ultimate end of sin, which is death. So, Selah, pause and think about this thank you so much for listening to this edition of the voice speaks i pray that it has been a blessing to you and if it has make sure you subscribe to the podcast rate us on uh, apple or whatever 
podcast platform that you are listening to us on that allows you to rate and make sure you tell somebody about it share it through your socials uh, tell somebody as you're walking and talking and just living hey I, I heard this and it was good and you need to uh, take a listen as well we're going to close out chapter 12 next week as we continue in our study of David's life until then God bless and keep it together <laughs>